Here we are now, with episode number four in our series, Mainstreaming Enlightenment, as heard on the Andrew Lake podcast. If you are a regular listener of the Andrew Lake podcast, please share your favourite episode, as this will help me find my audience. This will help to find the people who are ready to hear what we are talking about here. And of course, I was thinking just before that maybe one of the episodes in this series will be your favourite episode. So maybe hold off till the end of the series. But then, of course, if you do share one which is from the series and it's not the first one, then that would encourage people listening to it out of order. And I really want people to listen to the series in order because each thing we talk about builds on the next thing. So, a bit of a contradiction there, <laughs> or at least that's one contradiction that I can see in that. I can, o- I can often see many, <laughs> and that's the case with words, that's the case with, wor- with talking, is that there are contradictions left, right, and center, and we make our way into them, which we are doing today, which we are doing in this series. And today we've got a juicy one, Katrina Knows. Katrina knows. It's a hard and fast fact. If you took one look at her, as I did, as I saw her, on the side of the bus, in that big advertising, you would know for sure that she does know. There's no doubt about it. In a second, I realized this. I took one look at her face. And I saw the two words next to her, written next to her in big plain print, Katrina knows. And I believed it. I fell for it for a split second. And in this is so much. There is so much in such a microscopic, plain as day, right in front of your face, Example of really just a moment. It's really just a moment. And it's hard to know where to begin with this one. Well, maybe a, maybe a good place to start is to explain that, well, it's an advertising for banking. <laughs> there must be nothing more boring in this world than banking and accounting. <laughs> is there anyone more square, bland and... Just uh, get me some excitement. Get me something interesting, please. Then a banker. <laughs> now, that's not to say that I don't understand the perfectionist personality type. There is something in making things line up. There is something in making things work, making things neat. It's very nice. It's very satisfying, actually, to have things neat, to have things efficient to have things working within the rules in a productive way, in a profitable way. And I've played that game for years. I've done that in many different ways myself. So who am I to blame? And I understand that. I can see that, well, making numbers work. And there is this thing about numbers. Numbers have their own their own kind of essence. I almost said flavor, but I didn't want to say flavor. And maybe essence is even too strong of a word. Essence we usually use for things that are actually a little bit more profound than accounting and banking. So let's not use the word essence. Let's say it's its its own thing. I mean, respect everything as it is unto itself. And, well, banking is its own thing. And if that's what opens your eye to the brilliant psychedelic explosion of colours that reality is, well then who am I to judge? Be an accountant. Be a banker. And really there is also something, I mean, when I look deeper into it, I see that there's something that sort of triggers in me which is a little bit of outrage, a little bit of disgust, and maybe we'll come to that. Maybe I'll be able to 
explain why. And it's exactly this thing, which is that banking is so bland and reality is so psychedelic. It's that juxtaposition. It's that exact juxtaposition that is in these two words, Katrina knows. This simple advertising, so simple and yet so deep and powerful and effective, Katrina knows. I'm just sipping on some hot water with lemon and ginger as we go. I hope you don't mind. Maybe my sipping will give you a chance to ponder some of the questions we're pondering together. Now, in advertising, there is this thing where you... It's sort of an ABC kind of traditional advertising where you say, okay, so we've got this superstar, someone really famous, famous sports star, famous actor, famous model, famous whatever. And what we can do is have them show a product. And everyone will see the product. And well, this is, this is sort of ABC poster boy sort of stuff, right? You, you understand this, how this works. Someone famous uses this so-and-so product. Ah, it must be good. So good by association. And in fact, in the fashion industry, we see this curious thing, which is a little bit like a chicken or the egg cycle, where the fashion model gets famous for wearing the clothes, and the clothes get famous for being worn within, worn by the fashion model. And it's kind of like this thing that is actually sort of a little bit mysterious in its workings, and of course... A career in fashion has its own complexes. It's not like you could go into that and just say, okay, well, I have to wear the really the really high-class clothes. I need to get myself into those sorts of clothes. I need to be doing those sorts of jobs with just a little bit beyond me, a little bit higher up, just a little bit more, and I'll eventually be able to work my way in. I'm sure there's a lot more to it, to any career. It's a balancing of all sorts of things, including the interpersonal and your own skills and your performances and your own likability and your own luck in many ways. But also, that is basically how it works in fashion. That's basically the the puffy sort of hanging in the air thing with fashion. So we have these supermodels wearing these super clothes and we can easily ask, well, what makes them so super? Is it because they're on the billboards, in the TV ads, on the sides of buses and bus stops, wearing fancy clothes? Or is it the other way around? Is it that they are on those advertisements because of who they are, because of what they are? And if you really were to inquire into that, I would say that you would find that everything is suspended in nothing because that's a deep fundamental truth of reality. And that doesn't mean that it's hollow or anything like that, but it's something to discover. It's something that is discoverable from any example, from any point of view. You must understand that from from any point, from anywhere, things are stretching out to the beyond. From wherever you start, from wherever you are, from whatever it is, you can stretch out to the beyond. You can stretch out to those deeper things, to those deeper truths. And that's exactly what we're talking about with this bus advertisement. Katrina knows from that microscopic moment, from that one thing you can see that there are expanses to the beyond. And to get back on track, to actually reel this back into the ground of what we are talking about and to try and tie this in with the next thing, when you have someone who is famous and they're selling a product, that's just one idea in advertising. That's just one of the complexes. Now, the other side of it is, well, this happened one day in the advertising career, in the marketing 
industry, someone said, why are we using these famous people? Why don't we just get anybody? Why don't we just get someone who is a nobody? And that will also appeal to certain people. Because people will see that, oh, Bob, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, whoever, the Smiths, Charlie, Terry, Peter, Sandra, Monica, these are just normal people and they've got the product, so, well, I can enjoy that product. Now, of course, there is a thing in finding someone who's likable and who's got a trustworthy face and these sorts of things. But the idea is kind of like this opposite of having the superstar sell the product. Let's just have a normal person sell the product. And that's what I guess is happening in this advertisement. Katrina knows. I mean, Katrina might be, it might be that she's someone really famous. It might be that I've seen it and I should have said, oh, she's that woman from that movie or from that whatever. And I didn't know because I'm so out of touch with popular culture. (laughs) That might be the case. But I'm guessing it's this just idea that, well, she's a normal person. You and me, day to day, the common folk, the common mob that we are, the little guys, the ones that are just doing the grind, living the life, the common peasants, the farmers, the gatherers, the townsmen's, that's us. And Katrina is also, so we can perfectly relate to her in a second just by looking at her, And yet she knows. She knows. And that is the significant thing. That is very significant. Now, this picture of Katrina, well, she looks quite happy. And she is rather good looking. She's not really average, but she's sort of one of those people that could pass as the common folk and is also very good looking. And there's an art to that, I'm sure, in being a model as well, and also in how the image is composed. I'm sure the composition of the image was meticulously designed and carefully thought out by a marketing team to have its broadest possible appeal. And yet she knows the common person, common old peasant Katrina, she knows. And what does she know? That is the question. That is where the interest lies. That's where you get hooked in immediately. What does she know? What's the big secret? Ah, what she knows is a secret. What she knows is not common knowledge. And because she looks so happy, because she looks so content, you would think that this secret has a great significance to it. It has quite a meaningful implica- quite meaningful implications, implications that bring on rather profound things, things like happiness, things like being content. Things like being able to walk around with a certain spark, a kind of, a kind of, it's almost like, <laughs> one, of the, one of the ways I thought of describing this is it's almost like Katrina's just had sex. Yeah, I just had sex. Did you know that? I've got that spring in my step. I've got that glow, the after, the after sex step, the after sex glow. Now we can ask, Is that what you really want to be relying on to get your glow? And we can say, well, if we're actually looking more deeply into spirituality and our place in the universe, no, you want to have your glow come from within, from your center, from God, from the infinite, from spirit, from something that is ever-present, from grace. And so that's a list of, (laughs) that's a list of like five or ten things that are better to have as your source of life rather than sex. But that is also not to say that sex is great. Sex is wonderful. Sex has this thing to it, which, well, once you've had sex, say you, ha- say you have sex in the morning. Ooh, I love morning sex. I love daytime sex. Then you can go about your day, and then you've just got that spring, and you just feel, ah, 
I've had some loving. It's just enough to keep the bad thoughts away. And Katrina's sort of got that look about her. She's sort of, you know, Katrina, I reckon you've been up to something, you little funny little girl, you. You've been naughty, haven't you, you cheeky old thing? (laughs) Yes. Very lucky of you, very nice of you. It's a look that, well, it can inspire quite a bit of envy. It actually can be a bit like, oh, why is she so confident? Oh, those confident people. I hate those confident people. They're just so, they're so upbeat. Why are you so cheerful? Can't you see that this whole world is going to hell? And I'm just not in the mood to deal with your cheeriness. I'm just, why can't I get that for myself? I should be. Jealousy. There's the jealousy. I should be allowed to have that for myself. And really, you should. Really, if you feel jealous of someone who has a kind of spark, and there's a deep intuition there that you should have that spark for yourself. And you might say, well, I need to have sex for that to happen. I need to have sex for that to happen in me. And I'll say, well, yes, that's one way of doing it. And also opening to infinity is another. And opening to God is another. Opening to existence, to reality, to the psychedelic perceptions that are ever-present and all around you. Opening to grace, opening to love, and so on, so on. I could list, I could list a hundred. Maybe, maybe next episode. Well, it won't be next episode because we're in the middle of a series. But maybe sometime soon we can have a, we can have a whole conversation about all the things that give you the after-sex glow, without having sex. That's an interesting idea, isn't it? Let's just plant a flag there. It's something we can go deeper into when the time is right. But what is the secret? What is it? I mean, is it that she's had sex? I don't think she's being advertised on the side of the bus because she's had sex. Somehow I think that this is trying to convey that when it's not that. It's trying to show that there's something that gives that, which is actually not sex. And it's a secret. It's a secret. And I'll tell you what the secret is. And I'll actually tell you the real secret. As we keep discussing this, I'll actually tell you Well, I'll have to tell you first the significance of it, but I actually do know the secret, the real secret, not the one that is told to us on the side of the bus. But before we get there, we need to understand a few things. There are certain people in life, and really I should say that the next part of the the next part of the advertisement isn't just Katrina knows. That's actually the main part. But then further down, towards the bottom of the advertisement, it said, banking's best kept secret. So not only is it implying immediately that there's something secret, it actually is actually, it's actually, actually, actually telling you that it's a secret. And it's not just any secret, but it's the best kept secret. And by the look of Katrina, oh, my goodness, you want to know this secret. And I'll tell you what the banking advertisement said it was. It's an interest rate. That was it. This is what gives you the glow. It's your interest rate on your home loan. Katrina knows. Banking's best kept secret. It's a percentage. It's a number. (laughs) My God, doesn't that just make you 
Doesn't that just boggle the mind? Like, my goodness, how over the top can you get? How, how, like, is that it? Really? Maybe there's just something I really don't understand about interest rates. I mean, I don't have a home loan, so maybe if I had a home loan and I was <laughs> looking to shave point something off my percentage, point something off my interest rate, maybe then, well, I'd understand the advertisement. But it has made an impact on me because, well, I can see what it's getting at. I can see the triggers that it's playing on. And I wonder, I feel, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get too far off the rails with this, but I feel like, I feel like I'm lucky to be able to see how over the top that is. How just, in so many ways, raunchy, in so many ways, just fake. Are you, are you really telling me that my home loan interest rate is some sort of Okay, so so let me get the picture here. You're telling me that my the the best interest rate is is a secret. It's this big secret in banking. First of all, hang on, hang on. You you're telling me that interest rates are a secret in banking. Is that what you're saying? Or are you saying that this particular for your bank interest rate at this time with these conditions and terms is a secret and it's on the side of a bus for everyone to see, and it's the central thing to your marketing campaign. Is that what you're saying? Is that what's happening here? And then furthermore, it's the thing that gives you this great glow. It's going to give you a spark and a smile, and you're going to feel like you've got this great thing going on, which you can keep to yourself, and you can radiate out to the people all, your, all around you, just like Katrina. Is that, is that, what, I'm, is that what I'm meant to swallow? Is that... Like, is that what's happening here when I'm standing on the side of the road and a bus advertisement goes past? My God, what a world we live in. What a time to be alive. And of course, of course, I can see that maybe I just don't get it. Maybe I'm just not, <laughs> I'm not conscious enough to see the <laughs> the psychedelic beauty of interest rates <laughs> my god i feel like just taking a big shit on the side of the bus i mean no offense to katrina i mean i'm sure she's a lovely person she's a lovely model she might not even know what the photo shoot was for when she was doing it and I mean, can you really hold it against her? She's just in it for what her modeling career, her acting career, or whatever it is she, that she's on. Whatever trip she's on has very little to do with the bank. Maybe we could just, instead of, maybe that's, that's too hard. I won't take a shit on the side of the bus. That's too much. It's really too much. I'll, I'll do that on the side of the road somewhere. What we could really do is just cross out the interest rate and you know write something a bit more just a little bit more conscious maybe we could just write consciousness or meditation or awareness or i guess i guess these sort of words you know they're they're pretty long words you know if we're crossing out an interest rate we've got one number a decimal point and then maybe two decimal points or two dec uh, two numbers one number and then the percentage symbol that's a fairly small space to write in. So we'd have to, yeah, I don't think it would work to write consciousness underneath or even even meditation, you know, those are pretty long words. So maybe that's why, maybe that's it, maybe that's the problem. But there is something actually rather profound in this and I'd like us to understand why it's, so deeply triggering and why it gets so deep at the essence of who we are and what is happening in life. And to illustrate this, I'd like to point out that there are certain people in this world who do know certain things. 
There are people in this world who do have secrets. And it's not as though they keep those secrets from you. It's not as though they are scamming or scheming. It's actually just that they've found something that is a little bit difficult to communicate, a little bit difficult to really get across. It doesn't fit into a couple of words on a side of the bus advertising. And these people, they do have a kind of spark. They do have a way of stepping up to the difficulties of life. They have a way of actually not letting life eat them up so much. And there are tangles in life. There is confusion. There are burdens. It is so easy to have this thing creep up inside you, which is the doom and gloom. It's just the kind of, ah, do I have to go on? And of course, sometimes it's not even as acute as like a depression or nihilism or frustration or anything like that. Sometimes it's just, it's just average life. Some people do not have that kind of thing, which is just, life is average. Life is just normal. It's just, uh, I'm doing my thing, you know, here and there, sort of. Whatever, I've got this, I've got that going on, nothing too much. And there's something in us all, I really believe there's something in us all that doesn't want to live like that. Something in us all that knows there is a kind of secret which makes living life a psychedelic experience. And to say that life as lived is a psychedelic experience does not mean to say that it's all extravagant peak experiences. No, it's something else. It's a, it's a kind of bliss. It's a kind of subtle contentment. If we looked at Katrina on the side of the bus, we wouldn't say, oh, she's in some peak state. She's not in some high transcend, transcendent consciousness peak experience or anything like that. No, she's got something which is just very simple, very calm, and yet it pervades throughout. And it might be that you haven't met people like this. It might be that you don't know people who know how to demonstrate this and stick with it day in, day out in many different situations. It's quite hard to get to know someone in multiple situations. How often is it, especially as an adult, do we have friends that we see in challenging times, easy times, different times, new experiences, different locations, during during different events, during different activities? and so on. And further still, to find someone who can maintain that glow, maintain that kind of thing. I'm using the word glow, but it's not really even glow. It's something else. It's, it's, well, it's, it's a secret. It's a kind of like, I have a secret. I have something that knowing it brings me a kind of grounding, brings me a kind of bliss, a kind of peace, a kind of way of stepping up to the challenges of life. And I have to say again that that's something we all want. It's something we really can do with something that actually does exist. It is actually possible. And in fact, I'm about to tell you what it is. 
I'm about to tell you the exact secret. And that is also to say that I am no example of how to live up to it. I do not put myself in the category as someone who knows this secret, or rather, someone who lives this secret, someone who has it at their core. Now, there are vast stretches of time when I have lived this at my core. I am experienced with it, and I am conscious of it. I am aware of it, and I have the knowledge of it. And all that goes a long way. All of that is actually very profound. All of that leaves me with a sense of gratitude. Leaves me with a sense of thanks. It leaves me with a sense of responsibility to remember it. It also leaves me with a kind of guilt and a frustration when I forget it. When I forget to live up to it. When I forget to even just say it to myself every now and then. And of course, I've made some way not beating myself up so much. I've made some way in not actually feeling too guilty and actually being okay with failing at times. And again and again, and it will happen again. So don't take me as an example, as someone who knows this in such a way as that it's at their core. Those people are quite rare. And the people who really know it through and through, all the way out to the very far edges of their being, well, those people are some truly remarkable people. Those people do things in this world for the betterment of so many people. They help so many people. Because so many people are suffering and not knowing this thing. And to be able to radiate it out alleviates the suffering of the people around them. And I'll tell you what it is right now. I'll tell you what this secret is. It is that everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fight. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to carry the burden that you put yourself under. Everything's going to be all right. It's all going to work out. However it works out. However it is. However much you know. However much you try. Everything's going to be all right. And to take that as a phrase, to take that as a life motto, really isn't enough. It's really not enough to have it told to you. Secrets of an existential nature, of a spiritual nature, can't be told in just a few words. And think about the sort of implications that might come from the truth of the phrase that everything's going to be all right. I mean, how much resistance is there in you right now to the phrase? How true do you think this phrase is? That will give you an indication of where you're at. How true is it that everything is going to be all right? And in fact, the phrase can be shortened. In fact, the phrase can actually be condensed. It can actually be made even more acute than it already is. Because you can shorten it to everything is all right. 
and the Zen master, I see him knocking on my door, and he's going to come in and say, well, actually, Dosta, you can shorten it further and just say, everything is. And that's what Zen gets at. That's what Zen is. That's what these monks are playing at. They see that everything is going to be all right. And then they learn to see that everything is all right. And then they learn to see that everything is. And it's not long after they learn those things that they stop saying anything at all. They actually stop talking. And these are really quite deep insights. They're lessons to open to across a lifetime. They're lessons that you must allow to penetrate into your very core. They're lessons which, well, once learned, you become enlightened. (laughs) And you remember what definitions we were talking about in our introduction episode for the word enlightenment. So that applies here. That applies to these insights. That applies to this phrase, everything's going to be all right. Everything is all right. Everything is okay as it is. As it is. As it is. So those are some thoughts that are bouncing around. And I wonder how Katrina goes with that secret. It might be that she's someone who does naturally understand these things. And she naturally has a tendency to radiate the secret without even being able to articulate it naturally. Or I should say, articulate it in words. Or articulate it consciously. It might be that really the reason Katrina was chosen as the model for that advertisement is because in a funny sort of way she does know the secret that everything is going to be all right. She does have an ability to just let things be as it is, as they are. And of course we can speculate about others till the cows come home. And there's also another there's also another echo here. And this is the echo which is really going to help you understand this thing of the difference in people and where they're at with certain understandings. And the echo is that we can take this advertisement as a message which is being given to us and it's coming from someone or something And we can't just put it all on Katrina because she's just part of the whole process. But it's a message. It's coming towards us and it's tapping into something fundamental and it's drawing us towards something. Now, the echo is, or the echo that I'd like us to understand is that there is something in a master. There is something in Someone who has realized the deepest truth of this secret. Because look at, look at the comparison between this bus advertisement and a master who has his ashram or his seminary or his cult or his commune or whatever, his religious 
community. What does the master do? What does a master have? What does sort of like this, what's the sort of ABC typical guru picture look like? Okay, well, the guru sits up on stage and everyone sits around and looks at him. Everyone watches. And everyone worships him. Everyone loves him. Everyone thinks, wow, isn't that great? They want to listen to what he has to say and they do what he says. He's giving orders out. He's got whole teams working for him in different ways and there's lots of money involved and oh, sometimes there's a scandal and oh, there's all this cultural stuff and all these people that object and there's all this drama and all these sorts of things. And there are all sorts of cults and religious leaders in all different ways, but they do all have this thing of an audience connected to the thing that is, well, the person that is giving a message. They are giving a message, and that message is tapping into something fundamental, something profound. And that's exactly what's happening with advertising. Advertising is sending the message. Advertising is telling us how it is. It's tapping into something as we sit and watch on, as we swallow it, hook, line, and sinker. And for some reason, we just take it in the West, in Western culture, in developing countries, in rational scientific countries. We just take it. We just say, okay, well, it's normal. It's understandable. It's okay. We'd never question much about the intentions behind it or as to why it's appealing in the way that it is. And yet in the case of the guru, for some reason, when we have a guru, we say, well, ah, it's a cult. You're just in it for yourself. What are your hidden agendas? You're just saying that just to appeal to my higher nature because it benefits you. There's a real deep sort of rejection in culture at large of gurus, of spiritual leaders, and even just of speakers, even just of people who are speaking, people who are talking truth forward. There's a real deep resistance. And that resistance is of rejection and a kind of false skepticism, a kind of un- called for scepticism, a so-called debunking, which is actually just not listening, not understanding. And it plays out in quite vicious ways. It's actually quite violent. And there are times when, well, the common masses and the common man does become outraged at advertising. And advertising's a banned. And in a funny sort of way, there are actually strategies in marketing that play on exactly that. Let's make an ad, let's make an advertisement, which is so sort of edgy that it gets banned. And then everyone will want to see it. Oh, did you hear about that advertising that got banned? No one wanted to see it. That would be a surefire way that everyone would see it, of course. And that's just another little sneaky trick that is done in different ways. And of course, it's, it's a complex world. Sometimes that can go wrong. Sometimes that can backfire on certain companies. And marketing, well, marketing is in the wild, wild west, as we all are at the moment. But that's an echo to understand, is this thing that is giving you a message which taps into something fundamental, something profound. And that thing can be a guru, a spiritual leader, a religious leader, someone of insight, someone of knowledge, a teacher, or any other number of positive figures that we have in society. Or it could be an advertising for a bus, or an advertising on the side of a bus, I should say. 
which is trying to get you to learn about your interest rate, take interest in your interest rate. I've always found it quite curious that the word interest rate, this might be a bit of a tangent, it's not very. It's not a very profound thing to finish on. <laughs> we will finish up in a moment, but do you think it's, see, look at this word interest, interest rate. Now in banking, that means how much of a percentage you pay extra to have borrowed the money, right? But in other contexts, when something is of interest, when you are interested in something, the interest rate, the rate of interest, well, that's actually something to do with attention. That's to do with perception and focus. It's to do with actually having something of meaning, of purpose, of significance. When something is of significant, when sorry, when something is of interest, it is of significance. And I find it, I just find it strange that that word ended up as the thing that describes your home loan rate. So funny where words end up, isn't it? And that's all I have to say for now.